My next guest is a Super Bowl champion and one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, recurring guest, Mr. Dick Vermeil. Coach, is everything going for you? Everything's going fine, thank you. Yeah, I don't have any problems. I haven't lost a game in a long time. <laughs> so what have you been up to? There's no, no football until September. What have you been doing to, to kill time? Well, I fool around with our wine, Vermeil wine business quite a bit, you know, and uh, things are going pretty good out there, though the the fire, uh, the smoke from the fire destroyed our red grapes this year. So that's a problem. But right now it's going well and I enjoy that business. And I stay in touch with a few of the football people to sort of try to stay up. But uh, I, I think I fall a little more behind every year. I want I wanted to get your 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 opinion on this whole situation with Aaron Rodgers. And have you ever seen anything like it? No, you know, uh, I have such great admiration and respect for how he plays the game. You know, Aaron is just, yeah, yeah. you don't need my accolades, you know, but uh, I'm disappointed in that he is such a, a figure within that community. And unlike other NFL teams, there's not one owner. That community really, in many small ways and contributions, owns that football team. And they live and die with each person, especially the superstar. And for him now, to want out of there, he's not only leaving or the possibility of leaving a football team, leaving a community, you know, and that disturbs me and disappoints me. He has his reasons and hopefully it'll end up, they'll won't get a divorce. Okay. Let's hope because he, you know, no question he's a great player and he is the figurehead of that football team. And I think that holds some responsibility to the community as well. When, when you were with all, all different organizations you were a part of, how important to you guys was it to, to make sure the quarterback was 100% happy all the time? Well, it wasn't as big a problem in the old days. You know, uh, most of the quarterbacks I coached were just happy to be there. You know, Ron Jaworski <laughs> was really happy to be there. We traded uh, Charlie Young, a tight end with the Los Angeles Rams and brought him back uh, to, to be our quarterback. And, you know, he was from Youngstown, Ohio and, an East Coast kid, and I thought he'd fit really good in uh, Philadelphia, and he has in his career after the game. So, you know, I think he was excited to be there. Needless to say, Kurt Warner, he was so grateful, you know, he would have probably paid us to play, you know. So that's a different than we traded and brought Trent Green with us to the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was much of the same framework, just appreciative and grateful for his opportunity. And we gave up a high draft choice to get him to come with us, and uh, he did, and he excelled. He did a great job. He lives in the community. He broadcasts their preseason games, you know, and, and you, know, you see him on CBS. Uh, but th those guys are a different mindset. They didn't come up as superheroes and, and projected to be Hall of Famers and those kinds of things. And uh, I think they're probably a little more humble, maybe quite a bit more humble, maybe quite a bit more uh, appreciative, uh, and maybe a hell of a lot more grateful for their opportunity. Do you think the just how big the game has gotten is playing into it? Or do you think guys nowadays don't really care about spending their whole career with one franchise? You know, I really don't know. You know, and Sunday is still a football game. They still play football, you know, and it's a wide open game today, much more so. It's not quite as physical a game as it used to be, but it's still a great game. And the TV ratings prove that and the excitement that the games draw each weekend, not only on local television, but national television. So, it's, 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 it is really a great, great, great game. And uh, I just, uh, it keeps growing. The money keeps getting greater. I think probably the, the more the money gets involved, especially with players, the more it influences 
how important they really think they are. You know, sometimes there's, I think a distortion can occur when you become maybe a little bit, a little bit arrogant and you, you really forget what you are. You're a football player, you know? Yeah. Um, so I want to get your uh, thoughts on it. Obviously the chief season didn't end as planned. Wasn't a, exactly the most competitive game against Tampa. What, do you, did, what, what were your thoughts on the game? And then how do you like the moves they've made since then? Well, you know, I felt they went into the game injured in the offensive line, and that's going to have a very negative effect on the quarterback. I thought they still might be able to win it. I didn't anticipate Tampa Bay and Brady to be able to play quite as well as he did, but you know what happens when a guy like him gets in the big one. But uh, I think they've solved those problems. They've made many moves in the offensive line, but, you know, it's hard to hide those guys. You know, uh, and defense, especially good defensive fronts, locate who they are. And you can't double everybody. And the pressure it puts on quarterbacks, regardless of how mobile you are and all those kinds of things, you can't be what you really are when you're given time to be it. And Carson Wentz is the great example of that. Uh, his whole downfall, in my opinion, was the offensive line injuries. And I've never seen an offensive line get hurt as often as, uh, and as permanent as this line was destroyed. And uh, it really negatively influenced his career, and it would anybody's. How do, how do you see the Eagles doing this year? Obviously with Carson Wentz now being in Indy and now they've got Jalen Hurts. What do, you, what do you think of him and how do you I think they're going to do? I think they'll be obviously a lot better than last year, but I think they'll be surprisingly good. Uh, you get an all-pro right tackle back healthy. You get an all-pro right guard back healthy. You get either a first-round pick from two years ago back healthy to play left tackle or the, the big, strong Australian uh, that came on as a, a non-football player, and it looks like he's going to be. He was a I think he was a rugby guy. Yeah, rugby guy. Uh, you get him back. You got the left guard back. You got an all-pro center back. Why not have a good football team? Unless they go through the same injury problem, I think they'll be very good. You know, they have skilled. Now they have two first-round pick wide receivers. They have one quality tight end locked in, and of course the other quality tight end may or may not be here. I hope he is, but. Uh, I, I think they'll be an excellent football team. My concern is their secondary. Will that be good enough against the best? I don't know, but I, I'll, I'll, I, I bet they'll win 10 games, maybe more. Interesting. Interesting. Um, do you think Devontae Smith, the receiver they grabbed in the first round, Heisman Trophy winner, needs to put on a little bit of, of a little bit of muscle, or do you think he can do it as is? Well, I think he'll mature and he'll put on a few pounds, but I mean, he's a player. You know, the whole idea of being a great wide receiver is be a, away from the defenders. Don't be where they can hit you hard, you know, and I, I think he'll catch the ball with more space around him uh, more often than most wide receivers because he's, he's elusive. He, I mean, he's a gifted player. You watch him play. He is gifted because he is lighter. Uh, I, is he more susceptible to injury? Probably, but you still got to hit him. You still got to hit him, you know, so uh, I, I think he's going to be an exciting player and a real great contribution uh, uh, to the Eagles. What did you think of the hiring of uh, Nick Sirianni? No, you know, I, I was disappointed they let Doug Peterson go. I thought he deserved another chance because I, I bought into the fact that if I lost all my offensive linemen, my quarterback wouldn't play well. We're going to lose ball games. I, you know, I, I've been there. I know where that happens. Uh, so I was disappointed. I don't know all the story, uh, but I thought he deserved another year. And they parted ways, and now they got a new coach. I, I wish him luck. You know, I've never met him. He's got a lot of fire, enthusiasm, and enthusiasm is sort of the engine that creates passion, you know, and uh, I, sometimes that's infectious as long as it's directed properly, and I, I give him credit for being ready to go, yeah. 
do, do a lot of the current coaches of some of the teams that you were with reach out to you about kind of like kind of pick your brain about how you had success in those locations? I didn't hear the last part. Oh, I was, was going to say, just like for, for example, for the Eagles, did so I assume Nick Sirianni hasn't reached out to you just to kind of. No, I haven't read it. I haven't talked to him. No. Interesting. Interesting. And then I want to uh, get your uh, opinion on the Rams. Obviously, got a brand new quarterback in Matt Stafford. Jared Goff is now in Detroit. What do you think Stafford can do that maybe Goff struggled with? I think he'll add a consistency in, in high quality performances. You know, he never really has been surrounded by a good football team. And I, I think they will do that for him at the Rams. I, I, you know, and I was not down. I've seen golf play outstanding and I've seen him play. I can't understand if it's the same guy, but I think uh, Matthew Stafford will shine out there. I really do. You know, he's in the right place. They certainly know how to coach quarterbacks out there and with his experience and overall talent, uh, and you just look at his past performances on mediocre teams. You know, I, I, I think he'll be a, a real factor in making them a very competitive football team. What, what do you think sets Sean McVay apart from other coaches? I think he's humble. He's willing to learn. He's willing to say, I don't know everything I don't know, and I'm going to learn. He'll ask questions. He'll take advice. Uh, he surrounds himself with, excuse me, he surrounds himself with good people. He had a great background. He learned from the best uh, initially in his career. He brought to the Rams a scheme and, uh, and a confidence in his ability to teach that scheme. And he's now added to the scheme through experience. Uh, he's you know added coaches. He's lost good players. He's brought in good players. They're very willing to give up high picks to get somebody more ready to play, a la George Allen, you know, Los Angeles Rams. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. I really do. I like him a lot. What did you think of all the quarterbacks that went in the first round uh, last month? Well, you know, I'm not an authority on those. Of course, the number one guy, uh, how he, he's a, he's not a gamble. You know, most of the quarterbacks are drafted, or not most, but about, about 50% of them don't really meet expectations. Number one, you, they usually go to losing teams, and they can't build the rest of the team fast enough to allow this guy to develop confidence and perform well. But uh, uh, Trevor will certainly be, I, I think, a superstar in this league. The other guys, I don't know that much about them. You know, I didn't see them as much. I don't see that much of you know, the Oregon quarterback here in the East and, and those kind of things. And BYU, I don't see him out here playing that much. So I, I'm not knowledgeable enough to make an intelligent uh, evaluation. And I, I know you told me last time you always love giving guys a chance. And obviously you helped, you got Vince Papali a shot. You gave Kurt Warner a shot. You gave Dante Hall a shot. Do you think the NFL should kind of expand the pool of training camps and maybe get more guys in there that maybe otherwise wouldn't be out there? Well, you know, I, you know, there's, yeah, there's absolutely no correlation between working less and getting better. It doesn't exist in my knowledge, in my experience. And, you know, they're, they're, they're cutting out OTAs other than virtual. They're cutting out, hey, the, the Eagles gave up their, their minicamp, their, their three-day mini, mandatory minicamp. They gave that up. So I, I, do, I don't like that. That doesn't mean I'm right. I believe in teaching. I believe in coaching. I believe in development of players and the way they're going with the rosters and the schedule and the preseason. Uh, that's it makes it very difficult on coaching. There's coaching staffs between 22 and 25 people on the staff and they don't have it. And they're paying them fortune to do nothing, you know, really. <laughs> and now they teach them to run the scheme, you know, and I don't know how much time they are given to develop the players are paying a lot of money to. 
Are there any guys that are kind of maybe on the outside of becoming a head coach that you're excited to see what they do when they get to the next level? No, I don't, I don't have that background right anymore. No, I can't see that. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, so um, one of your guys, Harold Carmichael's getting into Canton this year. Did, did yes. you, was he there before you got oh, there? Yeah. Did you... I had him seven years. How'd you find him? Oh, outstanding. Just outstanding, you know, and we were a run first past second. Even at that, he, he, I think he caught 79 balls one year. I think he averaged 16 point something yards of reception. You know, not many guys do that, especially in those days. But you know, he's, he's a great football player. Took a long time to get him in there. If he'd been playing today on today's rules, <laughs> you, you know, he, because he wasn't really quick off the ball. But once he got downfield and started running and lengthened out that stride, he could fly. And you didn't know he, how fast he was until you got next to him when you were eight, nine yards deep. Now he's really flying and he could run by you. And so, and there wasn't anything he couldn't catch. So, you know, I, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's a Hall of Fame person. He's a good friend and I'm really excited for him. So, so he, uh, Kirby, if I'm wrong, he, he, they originally had him at tight end and then moved him to receiver. No. He was always a wide receiver. Oh, he was. I used to tease him. If he got over 230 pounds, I'd move him to tight end. So he, he never had trouble meeting uh, his playing weight. Um, sp speaking of tight ends, uh, Tim Tebow has been on a hiatus from the NFL for quite some time. Is not trying to make it a tight end. Do you think a guy who's been out of the league that long still has a chance? Or do you think, what do you think of that? Well, he's going with his old coach. So that gives him a better chance than most guys would get. But th the odds are probably not really good that he'll make it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And then do you have any, do you have any, uh, are there any guys from the draft or maybe late round guys you saw that you're excited to see what they do at the next level? Maybe guys you've been watching a college ball. No, I, I don't know the draft well enough because, you know, I saw a lot of college football this year and I enjoy it, but I don't, you know, I, I watch the game as a fan with a, a experience in coaching and, and I like to see the schemes and the different things you see in college football, but I don't get into the evaluation of players and, and watch them enough to form an opinion. Yeah. And I want to ask you, have you gotten a chance to go out to SoFi Stadium yet or not yet? No, I have not been there. No. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's all I think it's hundred percent attendance they're aiming for. So it's going to be apparently oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, that's going to be exciting. Stan Kroenke mentioned uh, I should come out. So I might do that this year. Sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I, and I want to ask you about your, your wine. Can you talk about that a little bit and how can I promote that a little bit so people can check it out? Oh yeah. You know, just Google Vermeil wines, you know, it was a hobby for a long time growing up in the Napa Valley. Like I did in Calistoga, the north end of the valley, and growing up in, uh, in a family where your grandfather made your wines and your friends were all in winemaking and vineyards and that kind of stuff. That, uh, I started making wine as a hobby, about 150 to 200 cases a year with a little winery called On the Edge, On the Edge Winery, Paul Smith and Mary Sue Frediani, Frediani Vineyards, uh, which I grew up in. My great-grandfather owned a portion of it years and years ago, so I've been involved with a vineyard all my life, and we made you know, a limited number of uh, bottles of Cabernet for oh, from from 1999 all the way to 2007. And in 2008, some good friends with a lot of money that don't mind losing some said, uh, let's turn your hobby and process and people into a wine business. So we did. Now we're making award-winning Cabernets and we make a little Sauvignon Blanc, a little Chardonnay, a little Zinfandel. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great vineyard. We have uh, our leading wine consultant is... is uh, Thomas Brown, I call him the Bill Belichick of the Napa Valley. He's a winner, you know, and a Andy Jones is on hands winemaker. They do a great job for us. Our wines get 
anywhere from 90 to 96 grades annually. Our 18s have all got 94s and 95s, so I'm very pleased with that. We don't have a lot of it. It's not inexpensive, but it's high quality, good drinking wine. And we have about 350 wine club members now that get three shipments a year based on what they order. And at the wine world now, we're just starting to go back to putting on virtual wine tastings and at wine dinner, wine events to, to sell wine and to, uh, you know, create a bigger wine club. We have a tasting room in Napa, 1018 First Street. It's now open seven days a week. It wasn't open all year last year. And we still did well. So that's a credit to the Andrew Curry and, and Kayla Jordan, who run the tasting room out there for us. So, yeah, just Google Vermeer Wines. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of former and current NFL guys that are really getting into wine. I know. Yeah, there's some very big high-end basketball players for millions of dollars. Go, that's not our organization. <laughs> we're, we're, we don't make much, but we make it very good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that that's really all the questions we really have for you. Do appreciate you taking the time to chat for a few minutes. Always a pleasure. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your interest. Take care. Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, oh yeah, yo, yo, that's crazy. Cause that's so funny because yeah. I literally, I think it was like, I don't know, a day or two ago, whatever. And yeah, it was like, this means being recorded. Like what? what? Yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah. I think Shannon just called Julio, but Zoom's like, all right, we're covering the bases here. Right. It was, it was why I thought it was like, maybe it's depending on somebody's preferences, but it's been every, I, I've never heard it until this week. And then that happens. And then every Zoom call I've been on, that thing pops on. It's that's, unreal. Yeah, that's, so, that's absurd, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm sure Shannon's going to be like, all right, they got to do Zoom next time. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just wild. Um, my next guest is an anchor for SNY in New York. I want to welcome on recurring guest Chris Williamson. Chris, is everything going for you? Hey, it's going great, man. You know, the Knicks have just tied up the series. You know, the Nets are looking, uh, you know, like they're gaining, you know, their, their prime form slowly but surely against the Celtics. And, uh, you know, we got good things on the horizon for the Jets and, you know, the, the Islanders, you know, with hockey. So I can't complain. What was going on with giant with that? Not giants with, with Nick's Twitter last night in the first half, people are like, Oh, it's same old Nick's Randall isn't showing out. Got the MVP doesn't care anymore. In the second half, they're like completely 180. All right. He's back. We're good. Let's do it. And then everybody's happy. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Nick's Twitter. You know, it's so volatile. It's, it's one extreme or the other, right? You're not usually going to get a measured take from the rabid, you know, New York fans uh, or Knicks fans. There are people in there, you know, who do have nuanced stakes, but for the most part there, they're going to overreact, you know, but the crazy thing was that they were still relatively, uh, you know, like within It was like an eight point game and they're like, yeah. the series is over. The whole thing's done. And I'm like, it, you're up 1-0, eight point game. Cool it. We're good. So, or, yeah. Or was it, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were down. Yeah. Well, they were down one, but like yeah. Point game. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. And then the Knicks are celebrating like like we had just defeated Germany after getting Yo. one playoff win. But what was that? Well, because look, man, they haven't <laughs> been able to celebrate a victory since 2013. I know they beat Boston. I remember the series. It was right. Close. So, yeah. so you have to understand that because nobody I think on a serious note, the reason why you're seeing this type of celebration and reaction from Knicks fans is because nobody except for the 12 to 15 men on that Knicks roster believe that they could get this job done, that they would even be in the playoffs, let alone a four seed and have home court advantage. So look, I'm, I'm gonna let them enjoy it, you know, cause obviously they're not gonna win a title or anything, but they are acting so rambunctious and, and wild. It, it's wonderful to see though. 
Are you surprised Kevin Knox and Neil Akina are not getting any time? Nah, if you if if you have watched the way the Knicks have played this year all year long, you would see you would understand why Kevin Knox is not getting the game because he doesn't add anything to the team at this current point in time. Like he started off the season eh, all right, you know, hitting a quarter three, but that was it. And you know, Tibbs is a very smart coach. Obviously, he's uh, you got a championship on his belt with the Celtics and you know the '90s Knicks and all that. But uh, yeah, Frank though, I am surprised by, especially because he's supposed to be you know a defensive menace. And what better player to bring in to guard Trey Young because of his length, because of his quickness. Now Trey's going to get his buckets regardless. But as we've seen, nobody can really guard Trey Young. It has to be, you know, a two-man uh, effort, you know, double teams, triple teams for him to stop. So I am surprised that Frank has not gotten any burn because I think he would at least contain and limit, you know, some of the, the explosive plays that Trey Young has, has put on display in this series so far. Is, is Dennis Smith Jr. on the roster? No, no. So the crazy thing is Dennis got traded to the when? Pistons. When did this happen? For the, the D. Rose trade, bro. Oh, that's who they gave up because I didn't see him get any minutes out there. Yeah, well, he he, he had actually, a dunk. I saw one dunk on Sports Center. I'm not gonna so, lie, one dunk. Right. So what happened was they make the trade for D Rose. Dennis Smith is part of the package, and he ended up uh, going down to the G League, I believe, uh, because he knew he needed to work on his game. Like that's how um, far he's regressed, I would say, uh, since he got in the league with, with Dallas. But yeah, Dennis Dennis is no longer there, man. He's no longer there. I'm always like, you got everybody out here. Give Dennis Smith Jr. some minutes. And that makes sense. He's in Michigan. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that explains a lot. And with Atlanta, what's going on with Gallinari's mohawk? Is that a new thing in Italy? What is this? I, told, I don't know. Who told him that was cool? Who told him that was I okay? don't know. I guess he wanted to make a statement, you know, reintroduce himself to the Knicks, you know, fan base and make a big splash. Oh, right? Because yeah. he obviously used to play for New York. But what he has going on up top is, is, is not my cup of tea. It, it doesn't work well on him. Some people can pull it off. Like the Birdman, Chris Anderson, of course. he can pull off all the, you know, crazy yes. hairstyles, gel and all that spiked hair. But Danilo, oof, it's, that's why he get, that's why he isn't hitting threes. That man had like nine. He must've been, he, he was lost his confidence. He lost his confidence. Well, he, look, he made that first three in the game to start, you know, start things off. And then he doesn't make another three until I think late in the third quarter, maybe even the fourth quarter, but he had a whole bunch of misses in between. So yeah, I think he needs to get rid of uh, the Mohawk and just stick to, you know, his regular, regular hairstyle. Cause clearly it's not working for his game. My, my take on the situation based on nothing is Trey Young's got, I have to call it the clumps. Cause I feel like if I went like this, all that shit would come out. Trey Young got Gallinari to get the dumbest haircut on the team just to kind of be like, all right, focus on him. <laughs> hey, that's not a that's not a bad uh it's not a bad opinion or, or theory. 2K, uh, the graphics, they put the most detail of any player I've ever seen into Trey Young's haircut. They got that shit perfect. Trey Young, uh, yeah, NBA you 2K's graphics. You zoom in, it's like a wasteland up there. It, it, <laughs> it's a waste. It's like a wetlands, bro. Yeah. It's, you know? it's yeah. Do, do you think in New York, the vibe, what percent of New York is rooting for the Knicks over the Nets? Oh, not like 90%, bro. 
Is you that know? surprising to you or not? Really? No, no, it's not surprising because you have to understand the the Knicks have been a part of you know the culture you know since the beginning. The Nets they just moved to Brooklyn. You know, I believe it was in what was it twenty six seven six seven eight, maybe eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah twenty twelve. So you can't expect you know for you to attract and take away fans from the iconic one of NBA's marquee franchises that has all this history and, and uh, decorate decorative uh, players in their, in their uh, franchise. So I'm not surprised at all because it's the nets. Not only do you have, you know, a lot of new people who are New Jersey are fans, but also the way that Brooklyn came together this year. So they get Katie and Kyrie cool, but then you bring in James Harden and you throw away all these uh, cornerstone pieces or pieces that you know built the culture that allowed you to get James Harden, people are not going to appreciate that. But New York, New Yorkers, they know that the Knicks have been stinking for years, dec- you know, decades really. And for them to see what's going on now, it's like, yo, the weight, the weight is paid off. You Taj Gip- your Taj Gibson jersey in the mail yet or no? Hey, look, man, he had some great uh, putbacks, uh, great, great dunks over there, you know, in the lane. But nah, no, uh, no Taj Gibson jerseys coming through. How Maybe old is How old is Taj Gibson? Because I remember towards the end of his end of his time with the Bulls, like when you're kind of seeing the end of D Rose has already been hurt. You got Nate Robinson popping in there, Rondo popping in there, and Omer Ashik and Ronnie Brewer. Shout out to Ronnie Brewer. Ronnie oh, Brewer. Oh my where's gosh. Ronnie, where's Ronnie Feels Brewer? So been old. At? Yeah. He went to Alabama, remember, right? I have no idea. I just remember he was okay. like six nine playing two guys. Yeah, but yeah, no. But I remember that time Gibson was like thirty two, and that was like eight years ago, bro. Taj Gibson. People are always giving Brady like, oh, he's old and he's still competing. Right. Taj Gibson, right. right up there with Brady and Phil Mickelson. They need to get it somehow. Get into that golf tournament. They need before. to get onto that AARP uh, yeah. membership. That's what yeah. they need to get into. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny you asked that because so he he's thirty five. He's thirty five. Really? He's he been, was born. He's, He's been just he's born in 1985. <laughs> There's no way. There's no yeah. way. That dude's been like 35. Yeah, that dude's been 35 since 2014. <laughs> that that Taj Gibson. Yeah. What? He Yo. was older than because him and Boozer were like the same age, and Boozer been out of the league what five years? So yeah, Bo- yeah. Wow, Boozer. So Bo- so okay. So Taj got drafted in 2009. So I think that was a little bit after or a little bit yeah. Few yeah. years after Boozer, because uh, he was with, you know, Jay Williams and and Dunleavy and all them. But yeah, he's he's old. Thirty five. I gotta I gotta double check that. I he might have a fake. I don't know. May, that, may, maybe man. I, I just not, had to look it up because I was that, like, thirty five. Dude, Taj Gibson was twenty nine like twelve years ago. But <laughs> oh my god, twenty nine when he <laughs> when he came out of yeah. the draft. Yeah, he's like with Deadman. Dead, I'm pretty sure Deadman came in. Deadman was like 27 because apparently his yeah. mother never loved, never let him play basketball. Oh yeah. Um, and then with Atlanta, do you think all right, they're going to kind of compete a little bit? How do you see the series going? I think it goes seven. I, I really do. I think it's going to be you know, so far it's been an all-out war. Every every possession has been an extremely excruciating battle. And when you see the the Hawks, they live and die by the three. They were hitting all their threes, you know, early in the game, very good in transition. Uh, Trey Young was being a great facilitator. And then that second half, Nate McMillan made a mistake by keeping Trey Young on the bench too long. But also, most of this stuff, they couldn't hit any threes. 
like the three started falling short. They didn't shoot it with the same amount of confidence as it did in the first half. So I, and they still, you know, were very in it uh, at the end of the game. So I think this is going to go back and forth. Especially, and I think the Knicks will win game three because I do not see Julius Randle having three straight mid mediocre to bad games. I said, but before I said, I don't see him having two bad games. And then you see what happened. He obviously upped his play in the second half, but I just, he averaged 37 points in the three games against the Hawks in the regular season. Right. So he went off and obviously the Hawks, you know, have got a new coach and Nate who's done a much better job and they've found a way, found different schemes to, you know, reduce his uh, productivity, but come on, man, you don't win, you know, most improved player of the year and you're going to have three straight games where you're just, you know, piss poor. So I, yeah, I think it's going to go seven. It's very evenly matched. Yeah. So I want to switch over to the Celtics net series. I was hoping it was going to be a lot more competitive. It's not. Um, Celtics gave a great first quarter in game one. And that's it. Um, what, what, what have been your thoughts on the series so far? Are you surprised Brooklyn's been able to put it together so well? No, I'm, I'm not surprised. You know, Boston is, you know, limping around this season. They've been limping around, you know, for pretty much the entire season. And when you lose a guy like Jalen Brown, who's such an important part of the offense and uh, defense for the Celtics, you know that, you know, Jason Tatum cannot carry the load, you know, every night. I mean, yeah, it's just, he's going to get his points, but that's not going to be enough for them to win. So I'm not surprised. Obviously they have three of the best, you know, scores uh, in the game. And, you know, Kyrie, Katie and, and Harden, and they're just, Boston's overmatched. They obviously are not going to back down. I don't, although I didn't like Brad Stevens's Brad Stevens's um, remark before the series, where he's like, you know, as a fan, you know, it's hard to see net, the Nets losing a game or something, and you know, we're going to have to play our best. And that type of mentality, like, don't say that. Like, you know, your teammate, your players are not going to be energized or motivated. But uh, they showed out in the first quarter, as you said, in Game One, and then. You know, game two, it, it's just a, a just a wash, you know. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all because the Nets are the vastly superior team to the Celtics right now. See, for me as a Celtics fan, it wasn't when Jalen Brown they announced he was out for the year that I lost all hope. It was when I saw a headline that called Evan Fournier Celtics star Evan Fournier. I'm like, oh, we're done. We're done now. <laughs> we are done now. When when they have to resort to that, it's 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 a wash. Tatum's been great, but like they don't have it. They don't. They've, they haven't no. had bench scoring in years. Yeah, and they can't. And Joe, with Joe Harris going off, game's over. That's what I'm saying, right? I didn't even. We didn't even bring that up. Joe Harris, he shoots lights out. Like he's one of the best shooters in the game in the NBA. So yeah, it's a really an uphill battle for you know Boston. But it's funny you bring up Evan uh, Fournier because he was he was trying to get under Katie's skin. I don't know if you saw in, in game two where I guess Katie thought maybe try to undercut him a little bit. Ball went out of bounds. He called him the B word. I said, whoa, I, I don't know if you want to be doing that, but all right. <laughs> no, I, I really wasn't. When they, when they went after Fournier, I'm like, all right. He's kind of got a bloated contract. Don't expect much. He, he fights. 
He, yeah. he, can def- he defends better than I thought he would. I thought it was just like, oh, it's just going to be just your regular kind of like uh, kind of your European scores and come out to his right. own thing, flop a little bit. He He's putting his ass out there. I can walk yeah. it. No, he, he does not back down from a challenge. And you, you have to, you know, applaud that, you yeah. know, especially given the 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 drastic um, gap between the Celtics and Nets for this series. Yeah. And I want to get into Kyrie's comments after game two. Cause yeah. we're po- posting this tomorrow. Game right. Three. I'm not expecting a win. It would be great. I'm not right. expecting a win. What I am expecting is they're going to let him hear it. Yeah. No, they, they will let him hear it. And I know that he said, hopefully there won't be any subtle racism or, you know, overt racism in, in the building. And we obviously know, you know, Boston, Boston's history and how they treat black athletes and black people in general. Although I should say that, you know, they're racist fans within every city, but they have, you know, a much more heightened um, awareness uh, about racism or a heightened spotlight on them when it comes to racism. And yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be really loud and angry. And I hope that they, nothing crosses the line as we saw with, you know, the fan who threw the popcorn on Russell Westbrook and then the Knicks fan who spit at Trey Young. But I don't know, because some of these fans are trying, they haven't been in the gym, they haven't been in the arena for so long. They want to they want to blow off steam. They want to, you know, project their insecurities on other people, on these players who they just see as entertainers. So I'm I'm really anxious to uh, see what happens in game three uh, at Boston, because the garden is going to be uh, very rowdy. Yeah. No, to say like, the least. Yeah, it's it's going to be loud, like when they traded Isaiah Thomas, who was a fan favorite, like Boston loves Isaiah Thomas, gave up him. Crowder, the Brooklyn pick to Cleveland, which then became, um, what's the dude's name with, uh, from Alabama? Sexton, Colin Sexton. Sexton. Yep, yep. Yeah. Then they found out that Isaiah's hip wasn't as good. Boston had to give up more compensation, get the deal done. He comes there, him, Gordon Hayward. I know it wasn't his fault when he threw the lob. Hayward got hurt. Season kind of was a wash after that. Tatum and Brown kind of took over. Got him to the game seven of the finals, comes back in the, in the entire following season. Will you have me? I'd love to be here. I'd love to see 11 in the rafters. And the stadium was ecstatic. And then it kind of all went downhill. Horford's gone. They're moving everything. Kyrie's gone. He hasn't played there since, which is interesting. I'm pretty sure last season he might, I think he was out the first game. And the second time they're going to play at Boston, I think he was when he elected to take the the surgery, even though they were recommended. To oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I was that's like, right. oh, all right. Gonna I do go to Boston. And then when yeah. they played him again in the playoffs, he wasn't there. This right. year, I'm not sure if, he was, I think he might've been out when they went there, but he's obviously not going to set up a playoff game. No, 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 he, he did play. No, he did play. Well, no fans were there. No fans. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Right. No fans. Yeah, yeah right. no fans. Yeah, no yeah. fans. So, so it's like, I like him switching the narrative and then we'll, we'll see that it kind of put it on the Celtics fans, but Celtics fans, like, it's going to be loud. Like, it's going to be loud. And honestly, for Boston, I think Boston knows they're going to get swept. If, if Celtics fans can get this one win, against Kyrie and his return, even if they get a gentleman sweep, I think they'll feel confident going into next year. They'll feel, yeah, they'll feel satisfied and fulfilled, Yeah. right? Because, yeah. well, we got one, you know, against Kyrie. So that that's all that matters. And we knew we weren't going to, you know, put up a, you know, a really hard fight uh, against the Nets anyway. So yeah. you got to take your, your, your moral victories where you can. Do, do you think Kyrie's going to, going to go off? kind of like kind of take that kind of that, that feeling mentality going home or do you think he's going to just 
do you think he might struggle? So I remember when they played Cleveland that first game, I know Hayward got hurt. He struggled a little bit, and that was like his, like, his big, oh, big revenge game. You expecting Kyrie to show out tonight to kind of just piss Boston fans off even more? Like, damn, I wish we could have kept him. Or are you expecting him to maybe struggle a little bit on game three? I don't expect him to struggle, but I don't necessarily think that he will go off like for, you know, 45, whatever, just because of the, the makeup of the, of the roster, right? You don't have, you're not going to be as ball dominant uh, as you once were when you, it was just you and KD. You have Harden who has the ball in his hands more because he's now, you know, the true point guard for this team, as they talked about. I don't see Kyrie uh, going off like that in, in game three. I think, I think he'll have like, you know, 25, you know, 30, but I don't expect some, you know, 50 point game, but he will play well. I do, I do know that. And Anybody who says that, you know, he doesn't have an extra uh, chip on his shoulder or, you know, extra motivation for this game, you know, they're, they're lying to you because uh, he, he's a very introspective and reflective uh, type of individual. And, you know, he doesn't let anything uh, go by the wayside. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. What have been your thoughts on the Wizards? Uh, obviously, you brought up Russell Westbrook. I saw, obviously, the guy, it was completely intentional. Right. The popcorn thing. I saw one great tweet, though. Uh, spin zone imagine accidentally spelling your popcorn and all of a sudden you, you, you russell westbrook clocks you like hey hey that's what it, that's what should have happened right yeah i mean because he did that it been amazing. uh yeah and i would have given him a raise you know you were like oh you want to you know how they get yeah. fined he's no underpaid. you get a bonus he's under right. you get a bonus <laughs> you get a bonus for for doing that uh in this game but you know i don't I have a lot of issues with the way Scott Brooks handles his lineups, uh, especially some of his usage with, you know, Daniel Gafford, uh, you know, who's coming on uh, strong late. Yeah. Uh, he just, it doesn't seem as if he's progressed as a coach since those OKC days. And you're only going to get so much out of, you know, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook to where you need more than that. You need, you know, Rui to, to go off, right? You need, you know, Bertans to, you know, extend some damage, you know, towards the Sixers. And they don't have anybody to stop Embiid. I mean, the guy was in foul trouble. I think it was in game one he was in foul trouble. And they were pulling it close. But when he comes back, you know, they pull away. This guy is seven foot, you know, hitting, you know, one foot fadeaway jumpers, step back, three-pointer. How can you defend that? So I'm not surprised at all. I'm glad they're in the playoffs. But I don't see them advancing. They're, I think they can sneak one game, but they just don't have enough firepower on defense to stop, you know, Embiid, Simmons, and and Tobias Harris. Damn, Tobias Harris loves being included in that big three. Tobias I know big, he's he often forgotten. He he's up, yeah, no, he's he, it's unreal. No, because like I know Beal's hurt. I know that he said he's his hamstring's kind of a bum hamstring, but Bertans ever since he got the contract has been non-existent this entire season. Pretty sure I saw last night he fouled out 0 for 4, 6 fouls in like 23 minutes. Didn't hit a shot. Apparently, it hasn't been done in like seven years. So, kudos to you. Like, that's unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I remember, I think Vesely did that one time. So, really? elite, elite, elite Wizards uh, company. Right there, right <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Vesely, I never, I always thought they should have kept him. I think he was just getting there. Not really. He's a good dunker when they're done 20, kind of entertain the fans that were still at uh, then the Verizon Center. Right. But it's, it's, I think this, the thing with the Wizards that always just drives me nuts is 
they're never bad enough to get a top five pick, but they're never good enough to be considered the best in the conference. And because right. of that, they're always getting these guys, maybe picks between nine and 15. And they're not, they haven't really haven't that been that good at choosing guys outside of, outside of wall and Beal. I couldn't tell right. you any great, great picks they've made since no. 2000. I could Gilbert was a trade. Jameson was a trade. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like two years ago, I literally thought they were so bad. They could have gotten Zion, but they're like, no, no, no. We want to lose in the first round. I'm like, all right. I, not Rui. Yeah, yeah, they they got Rui and he's he's solid. You know, he's he, fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's, he's not he's, exceptional. He's, no, they compared him to Kawhi on draft night. I'm like, that's bold. But I I think that, he's that, like he's Marcus Morris. He's Marcus Morris. I can yeah I can yeah I think he's a little better. Yeah I I could see that. I could see a little Marcus Morris. I think he's better uh, uh, offensively than him um, but he definitely brings you know an added bonus to the team he just isn't going to raise the ceiling of the team you know that much yeah right yeah, it's, so no, never knew the only thing i'll credit scott brooks with never knew robin lopez had a hook shot that, yo robin lopez oh my gosh that guy yeah. he he and his brother or something else but yeah hey you know Kareem Abdul, uh, Kareem Abdul Lopez, right? You know, hit that, <laughs> hit that hook shot. Yeah. Oh so man. If, so if you're making the lineup adjustments for Game Three, what are you doing for the Wizards? For the Wizards, I mean, what what adjustments can I mean? I, I mean, maybe you put in, um, you know, Daniel Gafford. You start him uh, over Lopez. Yeah, may, you know, because you can't. This is not a Make a Wish Foundation where you got to play all these guys at center because you play the best players and this is crunch time. Your jobs are on the line and don't, I don't want to hear nothing about Scott Brooks getting extended uh, because I just don't. Uh, but yeah, I think Daniel Gafford has shown, especially late in the season for him to be, you know, a much better option than, than some of the other centers that they have and, and Lopez. And um, I know that what's his name? Uh, Thomas Bryant. See, I'm not, I've never I been a big he, Thomas Bryant guy. He, yeah, he's a good, he's a good backup. A, yeah, you know, he's all right. But yeah, I like, I like, the, I like the young guy and Daniel Gafford, and and then there's not much else you can do, man. They're overmatched, so you can switch the lineups, but <laughs> that ain't gonna help you stopping Embiid or or Simmons. You know, direct traffic and Tobias and uh, you know Seth Curry and and Danny Green. You know, hitting hitting from deep, so. Yeah, what about you? What adjustments would you make? I wouldn't show up to game three. That's what I wouldn't do. So, <laughs> I, like, and it's it's in D.C., so they better do something. They're, I'm very curious how the crowd, the kind of, if it's mostly a Philly crowd. Or I don't, yeah. Wizards, I've, I've been to one Wizards playoff game. I, ironically, it was the one when Paul Pierce hit the giant shot against the Oh, yeah. Never yeah. never been in an atmosphere like that before. It was crazy. Wow. Oh, and they lost I, the series. Yeah. They lost the series. So, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. You know Russell Westbrook's gonna give it everything. So oh. we'll see how Beal's doing. They they gotta get something from somebody else. Ish Smith has been great. I don't know why they're not playing him more. They got Raul Neto or Howell. I don't even know how to pronounce this dude. Yeah, name. yeah, I he's forget how it is. He's fine. Yeah, well, fine. Well, yeah, he's fine. Hutchinson. I thought Hutchinson's gonna be better when he came out of Boise State. Um, and then I wanted to get your take. Obviously, the Jets got Zach Wilson, um, and they got Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. How do you think they fit into that uh, that rotation? So I, I think you know they have a really promising draft class. You know, and in addition to Wilson and Elijah Bear Tucker, they get um, Elijah Moore, you know, who is one of the better wide receivers coming out of the draft class, uh, the 2021 draft class. So 
I'm hopeful because what we knew the Jets needed was a lot of help because they need to support Wilson as much as possible, not only on the offensive line so he can stand up right and he's not always on his ass, but also on that defense because that defense was barbecue chicken in, in 2020. All right. They, they did not play uh, well at all, especially on the secondary side, right? Defensive line, you know, with, with Williams. Um, what's, his, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Who? Quentin Williams? Yeah, Quentin, yeah, Quentin Williams. Yeah, I just remember, forgot his first name. Yeah, Quentin Williams, stuff like that. But I've, I feel like they have a good nucleus. If they can gel together, you know, in, in OTAs and uh, minicamp training camp, I think they can, you know, go. Now it's a 17-game season. So instead of like eight and eight, uh, I can see them going like eight, nine. I can see them winning eight games. I don't, they're not a contender in my eyes, but they do have the pieces to lay a good foundation for Wilson to uh, really succeed and, and thrive. I like, I like Wilson. I, he, all, he, he fits all the categories you want in a, in a quarterback these days in this generation, you know, mobile, can launch that sucker like no other, you know, makes good reads, can get the tight windows, can fit the ball into the tight windows. Uh, the competition was something that you worried about, but we'll see how it translates. I, I have high expectations for him, and I'm hopeful that the Jets will have a season where we're not, you know, looking at a one or two game, you know, win season. Did you think at all? I don't know why, for some reason, before the draft, I thought they might take fields. Uh, so I thought they should have taken fields. I thought he was a better physical, better prospect overall. I didn't, I didn't think there was too much separation, but I did feel like fields was more NFL ready. He's played in big games before, you know, faced adversity and responded you know, by throwing six TDs in that yeah. semifinal matchup against Clemson after, you know, probably broke his ribs. But they fell in love with, you know, Zach Wilson from BYU. They felt like out of nowhere because yeah. all the talk for the season was about Fields and Lawrence, right? Fields and Trevor Lawrence. That's what everybody talked about. And we know Trevor is in his own special category and then there's everybody else. But yeah, so I was surprised. I wasn't surprised when the pick happened, but I was surprised that all the talk, you know, leading up to the draft after the national championship game, you know, surrounded and ramped up to, yeah, Jets, Zach Wilson. You know, they, they want Zach Wilson. That's, that's their guy. Yeah. And I'm saying, come on, man. And then, you know, they try to downplay or try to disparage field, just work ethic and, you know, leadership. And then the epilepsy thing came out. I'm like, whoa. Right. May, and maybe what that, is this? Yeah, yeah, it's just so weird because it's something that he had dealt with. Yeah. He's dealt with all of his life, I think. I don't I don't know if that's entirely true, but I know he's dealt with it for a while. And for that to come out as if, yeah, this is some breaking news, you know, it's a little weird. Yeah. It's a little weird to see that yeah. play out because somebody put that information out for a reason. And I don't think it was to help uh, improve his draft stock, you know, before the draft. 
No, because when, when all the field slander kept coming out, first of all, it was shocking. And I'm like, all right, you got San Fran's trading two first to go to three. They can take whoever they want. You know, Lawrence is going one. The field slander is coming out of nowhere. So I don't, I mean, I didn't think, okay, it's definitely not San Fran because they could take fields if they wanted fields. Am I thinking, is it teams trying to get, uh, to get Wilson to drop or teams trying to over kind of or trying to make Fields seem like an unappealing prospect so that Fields will fall. And I'm right. thinking, okay, everybody's all on Wilson. There's all this slander to Fields out of nowhere. Are people trying to make the Jets mess this up? And because the, maybe the, that, I was thinking like, is there any chance they take this? Any chance then they take Wilson? I'm like, all right, Fields obviously is going to the Bears. I'm thinking, were teams trying to get Fields to drop? Obviously, probably that's the case. If not, I don't think he's landing in Chicago. I thought no. he was land- I thought Carolina was going to grab him. But Ooh. yeah, but that wouldn't make sense if you know with Sam Darnold. I know. Yeah, but before when they just had Teddy Bridgewater, you could make the argument that maybe they go after, maybe they go after Wilson. Yeah, I think it was partly yeah people trying to, you know, bring his uh, draft stock down so that they could get him, and also you know the the negative uh, stereotypes that uh, black quarterbacks are often um, labeled as are often given. Uh, when it comes to yeah work ethic and uh whether they're you know a true leader and all this other nonsense that just has no no validity uh it's and it's not to say that you you know they don't have you know white quarterbacks that get that label sometimes but more often than not disproportionately you see the black qbs uh you know given that type of label yeah what what about the giants who do you think they're draft class the Giants, man. Hey, look, Dave Gettleman did did a hell of a job, right? Because I wasn't sure what he was thinking initially with, uh, you know, that trade. Because it was after the Eagles had traded with the Cowboys. And the Eagles, you know, get Devontae Smith in that suit. The Giants were going to get. Uh, but, you know, they end up getting Kadarius Toney. And they made some really great trades later in the draft. I feel like. They have a lot of good pieces, especially on defense, to help bolster, you know, or help make up for what the offense might lack. But I'm more excited about the the free agent class. You know, you have Kenny Galladay, you have, you know, Darius Slayton, you have Sterling Shepard. Calvin uh, Benjamin. Calvin. And he's he's probably a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. But he's now a tight end, <laughs> you know. He had the biscuit. He's here. He's ready. Yeah, yeah, a couple biscuits. Uh, God, God bless him. But yeah, so I'm excited to see you got Saquon coming back healthy from the, you know, ACL tear. I like, I think they are the most compelling team on, on paper in, in the NFC East. Most, yeah, I think they're the most compelling team. And then you have the, the Cowboys, right? Oh, you know, Washington. No, I mean, they don't have a quarterback, you know, they got three backups, three backups for you got Ryan Fitz, Fitz Magic. Are you going to get Fitz Magic? Or are you going to get Fitz Tragic? But I think, yeah, they have a great defense. The Washington football team probably has the best defense out of, uh, yeah, it would be between the Giants and um, and Washington. But wait, I wait, think wait the, between the Giants and Washington, you're saying there's a there's a it's a 50 50 shot. You think the Giants defense is going to be that good this year? Oh no no no! I'm talking about just from a defensive standpoint, like who they have and how they've shown yeah yeah, yeah that, that's what i'm saying i'm not saying overall 
that no, it's no, a, no, just defense. You think Giants have as close to good enough defense as the Washington does? I mean, dog, did you did you watch the they're game? They're all right. They're all right. I like Bradbury. They're all right. They, like James Bradbury. Bradbury is one of the most underrated defensive backs in the game. You saw Leonard Williams. You yeah, saw what he I did. Forgot, I forgot they little Right? Back. And then you have uh, – what's They got that, that? that inside linebacker who did Inside really linebacker. Uh, you know, you got Blake Martinez who came Him, over from, from the Packers. Uh, but there was somebody else who I'm, who I'm blanking on. But they have a they have a solid solid core, man. I, yeah, don't sleep on them. Like I they put Washington. They got the dude from Michigan, right? They got what's his name from Michigan? Oh, Jabril Peppers. Jabril. Yeah, Peppers. they have Jabril Peppers, but you know, yeah. So I think it's it's not as uh, it's not the gap is not as big as maybe uh, you think. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Giants are right right there with them. I, I would give Washington the edge. You know, Chase Young. You know, on that defensive line and all the talent they have in the backfield or in the secondary. But, yeah, what do you mm-hmm. think? I mean, Washington doesn't have a name or a quarterback. Um, right. They got to get, get a new name because I, I call them the skins, but yeah. most people use the four letters before that because right. I can't say whiffed. Whiffed doesn't really roll off the tongue for me or Washington yeah. football team or football team. Who do you root for? Football team. I'm going to stay away from this guy. Um, <laughs> no, it's like – the good receiving core tight ends. We'll see how they do. They got big, big tight end news. They brought in a guy's name was on the Cardinals a couple of years ago. Drawn a blank. Ooh, ooh. Oh, oh, yeah. Know. I know you're talking. I was excited. I've drawn a blank. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it. He was the dude that his, had the hyphenated last name, that the letters were so big that his number was smaller than all the other. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm name? blanking. Yeah. I'm blanking on the name. He was on the Chiefs last year. I, 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 hopefully, he makes the team. And they got the good Samus Reyes. League's not ready yep. for Samus Reyes. He's only been playing football for like eight months. So we'll see right. how that does. Defense is going to be loaded. We'll see how. Um, but I think I think they'll be fun to watch. So that's all you can have for. And then Dallas, you never know. There's consensus, right? Eagles are fourth. Yeah. Eagles, this is a down year for them. They're not, yeah. They're not beating anybody. Yeah. I would be shocked if they're, you know, in the race, you know, yeah. down the line. Yeah. Uh, that- yeah. And I wanted to get before I let you guys one last question for you. How do you see the NBA playoffs finishing up? Who do you, who do you got in the championship, and who do you think is going to win it all? I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's it's tricky because you have the Lakers, defending champs, who obviously are taking advantage of you know Chris Paul being hampered, and I, I think they'll win against Phoenix. Uh, then, but you know, Luca, Dallas, what they're doing, the Clippers right now, it's really sad to see what's happening to the Clippers. I mean, you got Kawhi and PG both having pretty, pretty great games. And Rondo. Uh, tw- and Rondo, 28, you know, well, for, apparently, for, I don't know if you saw this, but 35 minutes ago, apparently Dallas hasn't been calling plays because Rondo remembers the entire Mavs playbook and is choreographing everything out there. What? Yeah. Apparently doing everything on the fly. Apparently R- R- Rondo's a whiz. R- Rondo, I, I had um, I had the former Celtics assistant coach on, drawing a blank, I think. I forget his name. Had him on a couple months ago, and I said, "What do you think Rondo's going to do when he's retired?" He goes, "I'd be shocked if he's not a coach." Apparently, in the playoffs when we when he was with Boston, they before the series, I guess they'd give the guys maybe like a packet of notes and stuff and film and stuff to watch. And he said, like normally they give it to him like maybe a couple nights before the series, they give it to him, and then four hours later he'd say, "What else you got? I'm done." And by the way, there's an error on this, 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 and this. Apparently, he's just he's a whiz. He's got he's kind of got like one of those Ed, Ed Reed kind of takes. Yeah. So that's yeah. wild. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's crazy. I did you, not see that. That's fascinating. Think, 
you still you think the Lakers are going to get past Phoenix? At first, I thought, okay, this is all the Lakers obviously going to do it, but they don't have. I don't think they have the shooting. Well, if, if they if KCP gets out of his head, you know, and you know LeBron's able to you know pump him up, uh, I think they and Kuzma you know steps up to the table. But look, they they just need they don't need that much more from their role players. They need, but they need AD and LeBron you know to do what they do, and we can't see AD. Uh, you know, shrink like he is prone to do uh, for so much of the, so much of his career. You see, this is a top five talent. Then you see plays like he doesn't want to touch the basketball or he doesn't want to be physical, you know, in the lane. Yeah, that, that's not going to cut it out. That's not going to cut it for the Lakers, especially after LeBron's gone. But I've been, you know, going on a tangent and I haven't really got to answer your question. So let me get down to it. I think for this year, the NBA Finals will be between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. I, that's how I see it, see it going down. If there's anybody, though, to challenge the Lakers, uh, I would say that I think the, the Mavericks could give them a run for their money and, and then the Jazz, perhaps. But... The Lakers, I, I don't, I don't bet on, or I don't bet against LeBron James after the things we've seen him, seen him do. So yeah, mm-hmm. I got Lake Nets. Who's the biggest threat to Brooklyn? The biggest threat to Brooklyn, if I would say, probably. Ooh, that's a tough one between. I'm, I'm gonna go with the Bucks. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the Bucks. You know, Philly's right there with them. You know, you that's a toss up. But I'm gonna go with the Bucks, especially you know because the length that they have uh, and the upgrades that they made to their to the roster after last season, uh, you know, ended in disappointment. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna have problems, you know, down low. Can't stop Giannis, you know. Um, who's gonna, you know, Chris Middleton's one of the top players in the game as well. You know, additions of Drew Holiday, PJ Tucker uh, has been really important. So yeah, I think the Bucks will pose the biggest challenge. What do you think? I think if Kyrie mid-series decides he's retiring and wants to move to Puerto Rico, that could be a big threat in the Nets playoff case <laughs> because I would not be shocked to see that happen. You know, you're like they're 3-1, you know what? I've done enough basketball. Would you be shocked to see him retire after the season? No, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked, you know, he he operates in a much different space than uh, yeah. all of us or all of his NBA peers. Yeah. You know, he he sees the bigger picture and is concerned about a lot of different social uh, and civil social issues um, yeah. involving, you know, the uh, systematic oppression of uh, black people and, you know, other, other people as well. So now I wouldn't be shocked, you know, he doesn't, he's a different cat and I, and I love him for it because he does not fit the, the stereotypical mode, you know, of an athlete and he, he's able to, you know, be very intro, um, be very thoughtful in his words. And sometimes, you know, people don't like that, but uh, I like it. I like his honesty. Kyrie's the kind of guy that I feel like if you went, you're like hanging out and you go to his place and you say, can I have a beer? He says, like, I got you. And he walks up to you. He'll bring you some shit you would never heard of. Like, <laughs> what is this? And he goes, try it. And he goes, it's got like roots in it. It's got like, it's got, yeah, it's good. It's a little like a, a, acai, but like, bro, you got a Bud Light? He goes, nah, I got this shit. I feel like right. he's a weird, he's a weird beer guy. That's a, a bold take from, from my. I opinion. think he's a, I think he's a weird individual. Period. But 
I say weird as a as a compliment because I'm I'm weird. I'm not in his his uh, realm of weird, but yeah, he he is not normal by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, yeah, so weird. Is he is he the Rodman of this era? The Rodman? Oh, oh no, baby, no, 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 no. Don't think so. I, no, no. If anybody were the Rodman. Well, in what in what way? And just like he's just on a he's on a different wavelength than almost everybody else in the rest of the league. He's just a different dude that like most people don't understand, and he's gonna do shit his way. Yeah, there's there's some similarities. Robin's just a Robin's a completely uh, yeah. Different I, I, don't, I don't see Kyrie hanging out with Kim Jong Un anytime soon. But like that, no, no, yeah. But as far as yeah, people who don't understand him, and you know him needing to take time off you know, out of the blue, just like, you know, Robin did. Yeah, there, there's some there's some similarities there. But I think, you know, both of them are unique in their own right. However, there are some commonalities that they share and how people react to them in a uh, polarizing way. And there's a lot of animosity towards them because of how they carry themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, always a pleasure having you on. I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, how can people follow, follow you on Twitter and uh, keep up with you? Uh, they can follow me at CWilliamson44 on Twitter and then on Instagram, CWilliamsonTV9. But man, you got to, so I gave my prediction, so you got to give yours. Who's going to be in the NBA Finals? I, I know. I have no idea. I honestly, like, I, I, I had the same prediction as you. I literally thought, all right, Brooklyn's going to coast, the Lakers are going to coast. I didn't think the Suns stood a chance. I think I think Utah's a great regular season team. I think they're frauds. Um, basically, basically, I played with them on 2K the other day. Oh, uh, okay. Nobody besides Donovan Mitchell could score. And I right. think that's going to happen. So I don't know if okay. that's a precursor. Um, Denver, I think Jamal Murray, I think that was the nail in the coffin for them. Um, Dallas, Porzingis. Porzingis, yeah. I don't know what what's going on with this dude. This dude was game changer, unicorn of the Knicks, has the ACL tear. I think he might have had some structural damage. Gets yeah. to Dallas. This dude does not look the same. They people were talking about it. this dude is a game-changing talent when he came out with Towns and Okafor. Okafor kind of stunk it up. Towns was good, kind of fall off a little bit for Brazingas. They were like, this guy's a sure thing. And he just kind of like he just looks average out there. And I don't know if they have enough. So yeah, I don't, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And the east side, I don't, I, I don't think there's I think you got Brooklyn kind of on top of everybody. I'm still not sold in the box. I want to okay. see him get to an Eastern Conference Finals, let alone a finals. Uh, right. Middleton, I think Middleton's one of the most overrated players in the game. And he has his moments. But I Yeah, he had his moments stage. in the game. Yeah, he's had his he has some moments, but like yeah, that game winner him. Right. Yeah. He, he had one against Boston. He, he he's had and he, 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 and he had one he, against the Heat this series. I know. He, he he can get that big shot, but like when they're way down and they need him to take over, I have not seen that. And that's been I think their biggest their biggest hurdle. If they can do it, I think I think it'd be great for the city of Milwaukee. They've won a title since 1970. Right. But if he's your number, I don't see you winning a title with him as your number two. I don't know. So, Even with the addition of Drew. Okay. All right. No. Yeah. I, I just don't. And then with the Philly, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you never, you never know. Doc Rivers has coached them up. On, he's been unbelievable. Embiid used to be a first quarter guy and then he'd show up a little bit in the fourth until he fouled out. Now he's doing that. Simmons still won't shoot. Tobias Harris getting 40 million a year. We need to see more contributions because they can't bring in more talent because they're giving him most of the cap. We'll, we'll see how that whole plays out. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to see a team 
like last year when the Heat got in, like a team nobody saw coming. I think one of those teams is going to make the finals this really? year. I think, yeah, I think it's very possible. Now you're making me uh, reconsider yeah. my uh, yeah. my prediction because we know that the Lakers are not at full strength. You know, yeah. AD and, and LeBron are not completely healthy. But yeah, you make some great points. I, I would be excited to to see that. You know, an upset. Yeah. Uh, you know, on on either the Western Conference or, yeah. or East. Yeah, no, because I, I, I was rooting for the Warriors to get in. So I thought that would have been electric to see them get in. Yeah. I, they don't really have the depth to compete. My prediction, my bold prediction, I'm glad I didn't bet Andrew Wiggins' first-time All-Star did not pan out. Oh, wow. But <laughs> now, he, 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 he strapped up LeBron in the playing game, which is almost as good as making the All-Star team. I don't right. know if they'll put that, put that on his, his uh, yeah. bio. Strapped up LeBron for seven possessions, forced three misses. But right. it's, yeah, it, I'm excited for I, – I'm very excited for next year because you get Thompson back. You kind of get some – you don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. Kawhi could move back east. If he goes to the Knicks, that'd be wild to have those two powerhouses in the U.S. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting. And we got a loaded draft class. Last year's class really didn't excite me too much because none of the guys really made that much of an impact that they propelled their teams to the playoffs this year. So you can't really, not really excited about that. Plus, Zion's not even in. Hopefully, they can get there. But it's, a, it's, it's been, it, plus, I feel like we need a full season of fans because, like, when you, it, it, it's, I still, I still have that bubble vibe. It's just goes to just empty arenas for so long. I'm still, I'm still, I still got that bubble mindset that like we're we're not back to a hundred percent yet. Hopefully next season we'll get there. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right because it's just weird not not having fans for most the entire year, yeah. save you know like a couple of months, and then now it's you know I guess I don't know fifty percent or seventy five percent capacity. Yeah whatever it is, you go from 2000 fans to 15,000. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely understand uh, where you're coming from. So I'm, I'm excited too for, yeah. for next year when fans will fully be yeah. able to enjoy yeah. a, an entire season. Yeah. And I think maybe it's different if you go to a game and you kind of like kind of shake that mindset off, like, all right, I'm back. I'm good. But for people that have been watching at home, nothing's really changed. Just a little bit louder. So I don't yeah. know if that's it. So I don't, it's probably different for the players. I have no idea, but yeah. So Glad we got glad we have sports now because this time last year was brutal. Nothing was not going on. It was just everything was depressing. You couldn't do anything. You had the lines at the grocery store. Where we made some progress. Watch out for the cicadas. Those I'm telling you, they're coming. And you're gonna be loud as shit. And they're gonna be it's 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 wild. I, I'm glad they're only here every 17 years. Can't wait till they're gone. But do appreciate you taking the time to chat. Always really always a pleasure. Appreciate it, man. Stay well. All right. Appreciate take it, care. Appreciate it, you too.